Homestyle Green, episode number 52. What can we learn from a creative entrepreneur looking at ways to encourage others to live to their highest potential? G'day, I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. It's great to be with you. This is the show about creating better homes for people and for the planet. And this week I speak to Paul Blaze, who's an amazing guy, and he has recently started a blog and podcast called Doubt the Doubts. Well, I say recently, it was earlier in 2013. But he has clocked up nearly 100 episodes of the podcast because he does it every single day. And he also has a blog to go with it. Now, his topic is what well, he describes it in his own words, interviewing rock star entrepreneurs and motivating listeners to say, I can do it. Now, this is all sounding a little bit like a motivational podcast at this stage, not a podcast about building better homes. So what can we possibly learn from someone like Paul and his guests? Well, turns out before Paul started Doubt the Doubts podcast, he was an electrical contractor. Uh, self-employed and so he knows a thing or two about lighting design high-end controls sound systems theater security systems that sort of thing and in his role he saw and witnessed and encouraged homeowners to transition from the old incandescent technologies through compact fluorescence Sort of witnessed the early adopters of of uh, compact fluorescence. It wasn't it wasn't a great time. Some of those early um, CFLs, and then into LEDs. And he's still doing that. He's still doing that stuff. But picking up on some of the conversation that we had with Mark Arla Page a few weeks ago. Mark, Mark's an entrepreneur also, and I, I think there are some real parallels and, and some valuable lessons there to learn from. A lot of us who are wanting to encourage and inspire others and do it in a way that is economically beneficial for ourselves. Because ultimately, what I want to do is help people to build better houses, but also earn some money by doing that. I mean, that's uh, that makes it essentially sustainable for me to do. And it helps me achieve my purpose of uh, making the planet a bit of a better place and looking after people along the way. So... I think it's really good that we can, uh, it's a little bit different, uh, different focus, but it's, I think it's useful to look at things that other people are doing and see how they're doing that and then think about well, what can I apply from that into my business and and the way that I interact with my customers and try and get a message out there. Specifically, Paul has got quite a lot of insights into social media and that entrepreneurial startup mentality which I think a lot of us are faced with in this brave new world of trying to uh, get some new technologies and new ways of thinking into the building sector. So um, I hope you enjoy this interview with Paul Blaze. Before we get into that just a quick update and I guess an apology for being off air for a couple of weeks. It's been very busy. Uh, Nat, my wife, is doing very well with her site, GoToGirl. And I have put a link to that in the show notes for this episode as well because some of the things that Paul mentions are getting online. And if you want to do that or if you're overwhelmed by all the options out there, then I would suggest, I am slightly biased, but she is very good at it, get in touch with Nat. She's at gotogirl.co.nz and she would be more than happy 
to have a bit of a chat, maybe do a bit of an audit for you, check out where you're going with social media, particularly Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, and all those are very, very valuable tools. And if you're sort of a builder or designer and you think, no, that social media stuff's not for me, well, think again, my friend, because social media is where it's at. And if you're not in those places, then you're potentially missing out on quite a lot of future customers. So uh, check out gotogirl.co.nz, and if you'd like some help in that area, then definitely give Nat a call. Um, I've been to Canterbury and Christchurch um, a couple of times recently, and two visits to Christchurch, I went to the Canterbury Home Show and also visited Danny, who we've talked to on the show before, uh, about the Wiki House. And I went and visited the Wiki House, saw it in the flesh, and it's pretty inspirational. Uh, up up close and personal, it's even better than the, the pictures. Amazing work they're doing down there. Forging ahead, very entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial in their own right, not just in the way that they are trying to create a new methodology of building, but a new methodology of business as well, and this whole open source idea and a social enterprise. They've really got, uh, it's almost like having two projects uh, running at once, creating the business and also creating the product. Very exciting to see. They were featured or they were a feature of the recent uh, festival of architecture that was on last weekend over the Labor Weekend in Christchurch. And um, they are going from strength to strength, but they do need some support. So if you want to find out more or if you think you've got something that you can offer those guys, then definitely um, check them out. I'll put a link to their information online. You can find them at spacecraft.co.nz. Um, and just finally, Canterbury Home Show, I did. we were there with Homestar and I noticed a real difference this year uh, and it was a positive one. Um, firstly, just lots and lots of people, other stalls and other um, people who were sh- showing things were l- talking about higher performing houses. They were saying things like our value of walls and using that in their marketing material talking about insulation, talking about, I mean, people have talked about warm, dry, healthy, blah, blah, blah for a long time. But using things like R-value specifically in marketing material uh, and quite boldly and out there as well is, is something new and something that I don't think would have been very effective a few years ago and is a, is a good indication that the market for that is maturing. And it's a really positive sign. And lots of people trading off the fact that they can provide a home that is going to perform better than building code. And that is something that definitely excites me. Anyway, that's enough from me for now. I hope you enjoy this interview with Paul Blaze from Doubt the Doubts. All right, today I'm very excited to be speaking with Paul Blaze, who is from Washington. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show today, Matthew. Like it's an absolute pleasure and always a privilege to be talking to people outside the country. And like I often say on Homestyle Green, we can learn so much from people around the world because we have a lot more in common than we do in difference. So, Paul, very briefly, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're passionate about right now. Sure, absolutely. Well, as you already said, my name is Paul Blaze. I am the owner of the Electric Connection, which is an electrical contracting company here in the Pacific Northwest. 
specifically in Vancouver, Washington, um, and we service Clark County area. Um, I am also um, the host and owner of Doubt the Doubts, which is a podcast that is um, designed around interviewing entrepreneurs. In fact, uh, Matthew, if people want to come to doubtthedoubts.com, they can hear an interview that I did with you, and it's specifically going to be found at doubtthedoubts.com forward slash Matthew Cutler Welsh. And so that is a, definitely available for um for your guests or for your audience to be able to come and hear that interview because you gave some just absolutely stellar information and, <laughs> and ideas. So I just loved our interview time together. So, but today, you know, we're, we're I think we want to talk more about the specifically the, um, the energy savings deals. And that is one of the things that, that my company focuses on is making houses number one, beautiful. I think we've been able to, in all honesty, wire and design some of the most beautiful houses in our area. <clears throat> and then we've also, um, we also make sure that in the process, we try to make them as, as energy efficient as possible. So yeah, that, that's a little bit of my background. So what are some of the biggest problems that you see with homes and, and buildings in general? Well, one of the issues that I see, and I'm going to probably have most of my perspectives again to deal with the electrical part of it, mm. uh, because I don't, I, though I'm very familiar familiar with the whole process, my expertise is going to be in the, specifically in the electrical area. So, I mean, I've, because we are in there at every stage of development, we definitely see all the things that builders do, whether um, whether it's green approach, you know, what type of insulation they put in, whether it's uh, the fiberglass or whether it's going to be this, the spray and fiber um, that they, they net off or whether it's going to be the foam. Uh, I've seen all of those and I understand how it works. But having said that, it comes mostly back to what I know best is the electrical part of it. Yeah. So one of the things that I see with, with the building is that most people are very budget conscious. Mm -hmm. And so they will build to the absolute most um, last dollar that they can afford to. So if they can afford to go, if they can afford to build a house that is say a three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand dollar home, they're going to design it to be specifically to that amount. Yeah. Now in the process, what they don't realize is that there are ways that if they were to scale that back, say five thousand dollars, they built to the to the five thousand dollars within that, and then they use that last remaining five grand to just upgrade different things like their insulation, or they upgrade their light bulbs, or they upgrade their switches or their controls like that. That they can make in an enormous amount of savings for their house over the long run. Yeah, that what they they buy in the cheap way of doing things ends up being the most costly way to do things over the lifespan of the of the house as opposed to over the the short term. So, in your time working with people in the um, wiring and um, energy side of things, did you have the opportunity to influence people in that way? Oh yeah, absolutely. So for instance, there's one of a customer, one customer specifically we had where we were, we we're putting in a certain type of light bulb in a, um, in a very hard to reach light fixture. Mm -hmm. And so what, what I suggested was that instead of putting in an incandescent light bulb, which is what would, which is what they could afford up front, which was, um, 
which would have been like a, a two or three dollar item. I suggested that, well, instead of doing that, because this is such a hard to reach place, let's go ahead and put in some LEDs. Mm -hmm. And so we swapped them out. The upcharge was was thirty five dollars instead of the twenty five or instead of the, the the four dollars for the light bulb, the original four dollars. So, but I what I did first, Matthew, is I did the math for them to tell to show them that yeah, it was going to cost them for two light fixtures. It was going to cost them um, see thirty five. It was like it cost them seventy five bucks or seventy dollars, something like that, right in there to upfront. But then I did the math for them. I said, but if we turn this light fixture on and we never turn it off, we just turn it on and we have right beside it, one with the incandescent bulb that we we're gonna put in there originally. And this new bulb that I'm selling, that I sold to them, you would end up saving $45 per light bulb mm -hmm. because the light bulb of the incandescent would, for one thing, the lifespan of it was only was only 150 hours, which is pretty typical. That means you turn it on and 150 hours later, it probably is going to be gone. Whereas with the with the LED, it would be on for six years straight yeah. and never have to be changed. So then you start to factor in, well, then now I'm going out and buying for the amount of times that I have that light bulb on for six years. How many light bulbs does it take to replace that one just in going to the store and buying them and replacing them? It was a ridiculous cost. That was just light bulb cost. I didn't even factor in the fact that one light bulb was costing 50 watts per hour to run, and the other light bulb, the LED, was costing six watts per hour to run. So right. I didn't even factor in the reality of what that light bulb was going to be costing for the lifespan of that bulb in energy savings too. So it was just such a win-win. Now, to be honest, Matthew, three years ago, I was not recommending LED light bulbs. Yeah. I did not like the color spectrum. Yeah, I'm yeah. Very, we are very uh, uh, tuned into, into the um, yellows and the warms of an incandescent bulb because that's more like what natural sunlight is like. You get that warmth in the yellow sun. It's also so, what a, it's also what a campfire looks like. Yeah, exactly. And Apparently, so you just feel it, more. It goes. We we've got our caveman ancestors to blame for our love addiction <laughs> with the incandescent lighting. Yes, and it's such a nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, the and and I, that's been my big drawback with fluorescents. I hate yeah. fluorescent bulbs. Yeah, yeah. To be honest. Though they're great energy efficient, um, they're great that way. I, I do not like them because they give off the wrong color spectrum. And mm -hmm. you can you can get them where they're more natural and more, and and that's okay. But having said that, I'm just not a fan of them. Um, but they're great energy efficient. Now, today, the color spectrum for LEDs is astounding. They are so close. They are so good now. And then technology that happened just last year to today has been astounding. The color spectrums have just been been ridiculously good. It's expensive to change out all your light fixtures, but having said that, the cost effectiveness is going to be is going to pay back 10, 20 times fold. So, yeah. yeah, totally totally into it. So, so and I'm I'm pleased you picked up on on lighting cuz it, it's such a it is a win-win often, and it, the the payback payback time is ridiculously short. So it's it, in most cases it's a bit of a no-brainer, particularly these days when the the prices are coming down. Going back to that case though, what what was it the? 
um, the lighting efficiency, the running cost efficiency, or was it the convenience of not having to replace that bulb again that, that sold that customer on changing? Well, for them, it was that the light bulbs were completely inaccessible. Like it would take it would take a special ladder to get at them. So that was the biggest deal. Is I I sold them the idea that um, it's going to be the ease of maintenance is going to be a big deal. Yeah. Now they also had the exact same light fixtures going on throughout the the rest of the place. Because what I was what I had done is I designed this this area to be um, an art gallery. And so in their stairwell, which these this particular couple was very into their art we made sure that that everything was lit up a certain way with the with cross hatching on there with the, the lighting design so they had lots of lots and lots of a very expensive art that they wanted to have lit up a certain way and so in the design process i, I had done this at, with multiple locations in the house but they only wanted to do it in this one spot because it was going to be ease of um, service that they would yeah. just completely reduce their their service now the rest of the light fixtures they changed out the light bulbs a couple of times and in some of them um, to be able to to keep their artwork lit up but where i could i sold it to them for ease of, of uh, mm, service mm. so that was the biggest thing now you helped someone save some energy there, and by doing so, you you provided a a great service to the environment. Do you think it matters that we sell something like that on the basis of something completely different, as in we sell a sustainable, more sustainable solution, but for a different reason? Uh, I think that uh, basically coming in camo is what you're talking about. So. Yeah. Uh, because that's what it comes down to. So, for instance, um, it is very irritating the laws that are passing in in the, the United States right now where different light bulbs are disappearing that the government is disallowing the sale of and the mm -hmm. manufacture of in America. Now, if you can go into Mexico, if you're close to the border, you can buy the, the old light bulbs there. If you go north of the border into Canada, you can buy the light bulb, the old light bulbs there. But here in the United States, you can't buy them anymore. And it was very irritating at first. But the reality is, is that as America continues to grow, and this is true around the world, um, there is a, because the populations get big, larger and larger. We need more resources to light and electrify and and keep the energy flow going. Now, yeah. in the laws that have been passed, um, that if you have a certain there's a certain um, mass that that we reach in America, that where once the population reaches this level of people we have to provide a new power plant for them mm -hmm. because it just you, the old system, the old grid just isn't big enough to handle this kind of growth. So with the new laws, what they've done is that, that by reducing the power being used in each home and in businesses, by changing out just light bulbs alone and making um, buildings more energy efficient in the heating system, that by doing that, 80% of all future growth right now is being absorbed in energy efficiency by, change, by people changing out to fluorescent lights or changing out to LED lights and being more efficient, keeping things with on motion detectors as opposed to just an on-off switch. And so by doing that, we're saved, we are having 80% of our growth is being absorbed with the current grid system that is there without having to build new power plants. And I think that's a huge savings. And, yeah. and they're, they're great. So if you can come in with stealth mode and say, tell them that by being green in this way, you know, 
you're you're doing a, a huge service not only to that particular customer you're also doing a service to the community at large and then to the world in 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 the bigger picture so if i can sell us if i can sell a person a lighting control system which can also control their heating and their sound system and all those, those other things which is an expensive system for them to put in in the in the upfront cost um, but it's very cool because they can do it on their iPad and their iPhone from anywhere on the planet. They get excited about that. Yeah. And so they they will buy that for the sake of being able to have that kind of sexy control um, anywhere on the planet to this one location, their house. And yet I am also at the same time making the world a better place because now the lights can be turned on and off remotely. They can be turned on and off. They can be dimmed up and dimmed down instead of being slammed on and off, which is a huge energy waste. And so all those things, all those things end up being exactly what you said as kind of a stealth mode approach to, to giving them their resources. And all those and things, I, and, all those things are totally accessible now, right? Absolutely. It's so, it's so easy to put that stuff in. It's easier if you are building from scratch yeah. to design it. Yeah. But having said that, there are so many great retro systems like Control 4 or Radio Raw that you can be brought into any house and you can completely change how energy efficient it is. It's a chunk of change up front, but the efficiency ends up coming, coming in down the road. My brother was, <laughs> my brother is an efficiency uh, King, right. uh, he literally got his energy bill down to $5 a month. It, it was so low that the power company confronted him, yeah. not just, not just contacted him, confronted him, yeah. threat, uh, accusing him of stealing power because nobody <laughs> gets their home, their home bill down to $5 a month. And my brother Jay said, Oh, well I did. And he explained how he did it. He did it with compact fluorescence on every light fixture yeah. He put motion detectors on every single switch so that no light would stay on for more than five minutes if there was if nobody was if there was no movement in the room, which meant that sometimes it was inconvenient. People would have to flap their arms around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing he did is that he started to do heating with um, with wood heating because he was in construction, so he could be able to, to get um, yeah. simple access to wood, and so he started heating his home with wood. And so when the end result was, is that his power bill literally was $5 a month and the power company was accusing him of stealing electricity. Do you know so how they, he was heating, how was he heating water? Um, you know, I, I don't recall. I think the water was probably gas heat, if, right. if I'm not mistaken. So, right. yeah. So, the, so yeah, there's totally ways that you can be able to make your make your world and your life better by by simple things. You may want not want to go to the extreme of doing those type of motion detectors in a house, but it's a big deal. It does make a big a big difference. You you can't build an office building now in in our area without having motion detectors in each room. That um, if there's no movement, the the lights automatically turn off. So it's, mm. those are great things to be able to keep to keep the bills down. There's some great ideas there, Paul. Now, I want to um, just change briefly because we're about to run out of time, but you're doing a something else now. You, you've got your um, amazingly successful Doubt the Doubts podcast, which um, you mentioned at the beginning. I highly recommend people going over and checking that out. Just talk to us a little bit of, about um, the the new way i guess of, of getting the message out because what you do on that show is, is you get a message out 
can you talk a little bit about how what you've learned there can be relevant, you think, to people who are in the design space or in the building and construction space? Uh, what lessons can be learned from from people doing things like what you're doing with Doubt the Doubts? Yeah, I think that probably the biggest takeaway for anybody who's in the design world is I would say social media up. Mm. Get involved in social media because then you can start to network on such a broader scale. If you are, are designing in, say, a small town and you're trying to be a green builder there, you know, granted, you can get a lot of info there. You can go, you can, you can go online and find great insights just from reading Google um, articles or whatever. But having said that, if you could start to to expand your Twitter account, expand your LinkedIn account, expand your Google Plus account, or expand your um, Facebook account and, and start reaching out in a bigger way across the world like that, then you can become more and more um, idea specific so that you can, you can reach out to someone who's specifically in lighting. You yeah. can reach out to someone who's specifically in insulation. You can reach out to someone who's specifically in wood floorings and, and find out what's the latest bamboo floor, which is a much better product uh, for the environment than, say, uh, hardwood floors um, or, or for the hardwood floor uh, aspect. Or a There's specific so many... group of people who are doing that. Exactly. So those are the types of things that if you social media up, you can be able to develop great resources uh, a lot more efficiently than if you are just trying to do it all on your own. So that that's what I would say. And is if, a great if, if someone uh, is just used to sitting in front of their computer all day and they're a bit scared by all that, which one have you got a favorite that they would, they should start with as a favorite platform? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, I think LinkedIn, as far as you're talking about for designing, I think LinkedIn might be probably one of the yeah. better social media sites to go to. Yeah. Um, I think also uh, Twitter is a great way because that's kind of like an instant now finger on the pulse of what's happening right now type of a thing. So those are two that would be great to be focusing on. Um, next, I would definitely be be searching through Facebook because that is a, a very connected way to yeah. to to be involved in other people's lives. And it kind of keeps the conversation going uh, on a, on a little bit longer basis than what Twitter does. So. All right. We've got to finish up, Paul, give us a book recommendation and let, then let people know how they can find you with what you're doing now. And then we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. Yeah. The book that I'd recommend is the power of habit, why we do what we do in business and in life. Um, I'm sorry, in life and in business. Um, It's a great book. For, for keeping um, figuring out why we do what we do and changing the way we do what we do just by understanding the science behind habits that we have. Um, the way people can get in touch with me, they can follow me on Twitter, which my Twitter handle is at P-D-B-L-A-I-S, P-D-Blaze. And then also they can follow me on Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash doubt the doubts. And then um, they can also get a hold of me through our website, which is www.doubtthedoubts.com. And I'd encourage people to do that. Also, we're on, we're on um, iTunes and, and Stitcher, so you can find us there to listen to the podcast. And I strongly recommend people to take a moment and listen to 
um, Matthew's interview on my show. It was so good and so rich. You would walk away with that a lot with, from, <laughs> from that interview with a lot of takeaway stuff. So, awesome. and be sure to give Matthew a five-star review on this particular podcast here with the Homestyle Green podcast, because he lives and dies off of those. So give him a five-star review. Awesome. Well, that's two two bits of homework we're giving people to uh, to rate your show as well. Hey, thank you very much, Paul. I know you've got a busy, busy day or uh, evening for you ahead. <laughs> so, thank you very much for your time, and we'll uh, catch up with you again soon. Lots of love to you. Goodbye. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paul Blaze from Doubt the Doubts. Like Paul said, uh, his recommendations there are to get online if you're not there already. Um, specifically. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, they're, they're, they're kind of the staples. So if, you, if you're not there already, then definitely choose one to start with and, uh, and, and get that going first before you um, get overwhelmed by, by all of them. I would add Pinterest to that list as well if you're doing anything related to um, building, design, construction, because it's just such a visual media. It's a, it's a really great place to be. And like I said in the intro, if you do want a hand with any of that stuff or even just some friendly advice, then head on over to gotogirl.co.nz and give Natalie a uh, call, drop her a line, send her a Facebook note, and uh, she can maybe point you in the right direction or give you some coaching or help you even get something set up. That's it for me for this week. I've got another great interview. Really looking forward to bringing you next week an interview with Melissa Savage from Metropanel. And if you haven't checked that out, then uh, look forward to talking more about another great Kiwi prefab solution next week. Until then, stay inspired. This is Matthew Cutler-Welsh on Homestyle Green. Homestyle Green.